0: In a world full of confusing conversations that divides the world into black and white, our hosts invite listeners to abandon duality and live in the gray. By approaching each topic with unapologetic boldness, clarity, and nuance, even we know that leans into the opportunity to say the quiet parts out loud. Now, here are our hosts, LaToya Green and Kat Schwartz.
1: Welcome to our show. This is Even We Know That. I am Kat Schwarz. I am a spirit medium. I am a complex trauma specialist and a um, suicide prevention specialist, as well as a Reiki Master of Masters. I am also the CEO and founder of Compassionate Healing Services. And today we're talking about a topic very close to my heart and um, expertise, which is complex trauma. I want to let my amazing co-host introduce herself as well.
2: Hello there out there. My name is Latoya Green. I am Professor uh, in Communication Studies as well as Director of Debate at California State University Fullerton. In addition to those responsibilities, I am also the owner of Higher Definition Leadership and Empowerment Coaching where I attempt to build the relationship between empowerment and the way that we lead. My philosophy on leadership is that if one is a leader, they ought to be able to inspire. And if one is inspired, they're more likely to lead. And so my goal is to integrate those principles into the conversations we have as we attempt to be better versions of ourselves and to each other. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, what we'll get into into the conversation today, since Kat already alluded to it, but in this episode, uh, Kat and I will explore the differences between post-traumatic stress disorder, or commonly known PTSD, and the lesser known and understood complex PTSD. Uh, we will discuss the landmark adverse childhood experiences, or the ACE study, and its surprising conclusion that a majority of American adults experience an event in childhood that has the potential to significantly impact physical and mental health across their lifespan. Uh, we'll continue by exploring the effects uh, of uh, CPTSD on individuals, on families, and really on societies at large. So this is going to be a conversation with a lot of tentacles and that allows for us to really suture together the way that we can understand the condition that a lot of people walk around, that we uh, engage with, we live life with, we work with, we play with, we build community with on a day-to-day basis. So Kat, go ahead and get the ball rolling, um, particularly since I know Uh, PTSD and CPTSD uh, have been conversations that we've interwoven in a bunch of different ways that we've talked about some issues. So how are you coming at it, this conversation?
1: Absolutely, and it's definitely something that um, our discussion today will be foundational to our discussions in at least the next two, if not beyond that really, um, episodes that we'll be doing. But I wanted to start by addressing what I feel like is the elephant in the room. If you saw our first show, you probably already might know this. If you didn't see our first show, please skip it just for me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> don't skip it. Please go listen to it for me. Okay, we're going to disagree about this. So make sure you listen to it for me.
1: Toya was amazing. I wanted to address my performance in that show. And I wanted to just allude to anyone who, or explain to anyone who is listening, part of it was a technical issue. I did not have access um, as the co host. I because of my own technical issue, did not have access to the chat room. And therefore, I did not have any um, heads up when it came to our breaks or anything like that. So uh, Toya took over the duties for that. And rightfully so, because she's the expert here, right, in communications. When it comes to uh, communications, LaToya is in fact the expert. I actually found Toya online um, as I was looking to hire a coach to improve my public speaking and my um, leadership and empowerment so and that um, organically evolved into doing the show but I am just lucky that she accepted me as a ho- co-host <laughs> that is really how I feel of course and um, and and also in regards to not only is Latoya the professor uh, director of communications a, a professor of communications and the director of debate mm-hmm. um, at her university but she also has a wildly successful podcast called the chop up show that I was lucky enough to be on in February. And I certainly want to draw your attention to because I'm not sure that you've mentioned that here. Possibly you did in our
2: first. Not show. not just yet. You know, we try to keep the business neat and clean <laughs> and separate. But of course, if you ever want to listen to the chop up show, it is out there for your listening pleasure for sure.
1: Absolutely. Please do. It's a fantastic show. And um and the other thing I wanted to say is that my My expertise in this area of complex trauma does not come from my um, professional training. My my master's degree is in physical therapy. I worked as a physical therapist in that healing realm for almost 20 years, and it was an organic um, transition for me into the realm of mental health and suicide prevention due to my own experiences with it. Mm -hmm. So words don't teach us. Experiences teach us. And while I certainly don't um, take away the um, level of academic rigor it takes to become, let's say, a psychiatrist or a psychologist, it's not the same as experiencing mental illness um, in your own body, right, and in your own mind. And you, when we met, Toya, were um, introduced me to a term I was unfamiliar with, which was organic intellectual. Can you tell us a little bit more about
2: that? Well, yeah, the concept of organic intellectualism is to the purpose of it is to allow for there to be some parallelisms and respect and credibility ethos, even as Aristotle might describe it to the individuals who come into conversations and who shape those conversations based on lived experience and have also sutured that with a level of research. Once you have and you live through a life, you want to know more about it. You want to know about people who share those experiences. And so the research happens in a way that is not I think, typical to the academy, but still just as valuable. So uh, theorists and pedag- uh, and pedagogists, I want to call them a pedagogist, right? A person who focuses on how we learn and how we understand, who goes by the name of Antonio Gramsci, introduces to us this concept of organic intellectualism. And what he does is describes as organic intellectuals having four or meeting four basic criteria. The first is to be a member of an aggrieved community, right? So you talk about your relationship to mental health and as an individual who has uh, experienced suicide ideations, who has ha- had trouble and had relationships and had issues that have dealt with that or had that as a component of those relationships, you've also um, identified the ways that you have navigated successfully understanding better the ways that your mental health influences your day to day life right so that first criteria of uh, being a member of an agreed community seems to be satisfied and then secondly uh, he says that you ought to reflect the needs of said community so the work that you do to advocate to share knowledge to understand to use your gifts and to use your skills and skill set to empower other people also aligns itself with reflecting the needs of that community. The third says, or the third criteria is that you create what he calls a counter hegemonic discourse, a counter hegemonic discourse, breaking down those words, you know, counter means to go the other way. Hegemonic speaks to systems or structures of power, institutions of power that exist Uh, for and allegedly on behalf of people, but we know institutions can often undermine the interest of some people. And then discourse is how we speak, how we describe, how we frame the way that we understand the world around us. So counter-hegemonic discourse or providing counter-hegemonic discourse is your contributions to the larger conversations and the ways that we understand the dynamics of power and systems uh, uh, and, and structures that insulate that, in our real lives and how we ought to question some of those or be critical of some of those as we understand issues and as we understand things like mental health, for example. And then the last conver- the last kind of tentacle or criteria that Gramsci gives us is to be able to build coalitions, right? The desire is then to take the knowledge that you have and work to in a very interdisciplinary way to work with other individuals from other backgrounds, from other perspectives, from other lived experiences to really suture and tie together a better understanding or a more nuanced understanding of the world that we live in and how we understand what we know, right? So be a member of an aggrieved community, reflect the needs of that community, create a counter hegemonic discourse and build coalitions are the four criteria of what Gramsci has given us to understand the organic intellectual. And that was kind of how I, I shaped the ethos or the credibility that we have to then have a conversation about trauma, about intersectionality, and about spirituality all together based on our experiences.
1: And I appreciate it so much when you first talked to me about that, because I've often felt that my lack of professional training in the mental health realm is actually a um, a positive for me, and so it's a pro in in my column. And you know, when you talk about being a member of an aggrieved group, I I did say in the first um, episode, perhaps it sounded a little bit strange, but that I identify as crazy, right? And I mm. use that I use that term a little bit tongue in cheek, but really what I'm talking about is mental illness. And 2017 was the year that my men- my mental health um, became so severe. That I was diagnosed as bipolar, I was put on bipolar medication, and I became um, so depressed that I was suicidal. Mm -hmm. And, um, And it was the feeling of hopelessness from that came from the fact that I really was doing everything quote right when it came to my mental health, I'd been in therapy for years at that point. I did at least nine years of talk therapy. I did EMDR. I took all the medications I was told to take, whether those be SSRIs or SNRIs, and then eventually mood stabilizers. I was so sick in 2017, I was not able to work as a physical therapist or a yoga teacher, which I was at the time as well. And, I had to go to a partial hospitalization program and I left after two weeks because it was not providing me the care Mm -hmm. that I needed. And, you know, suicide in my view is when hopelessness meets worthlessness. And I was already feeling worthless. Right. That we'll talk about um, the, the, I guess the foundation of that very much rooted in complex trauma. And the hopelessness came from the fact that there just didn't seem to be any options that were helping me. And it was, In a psychiatrist, finding a psychiatrist who validated that I had complex trauma, when I first heard the diagnosis of complex trauma, it was completely new to me, I had never Mm -hmm. heard of it. And that's why we say in our episode description, it's much lesser um, known and understood because many people even today don't know uh the term complex PTSD. And in fact, it's not even in the Diagnostics and Statistics Manual, the DSM, which is considered mm-hmm. the gold standard of psychiatry. So it's very much a topic that I want to delve into in more depth because for me it truly was life-saving. And I know that um, would will be the case for so many others once you really understand the differences between complex trauma and what is, you know, what is known as PTSD.
2: You know, I was just, I, I remember when we first had our conversation about it, and even as developing the one that we're having today, where uh, you're like, you know what, you know, complex PTSD is, and I'm like, yeah, PTSD, and you're like, the complex part is an important, like, functional, mobilizing phrase and term, and how we're making distinctions here, and so it's easy to want to roll in and wrap in, and what I call these are our are, are, You know concepts that are cousins. That's how I talk about concepts (laughs) that are very similar. When I talk about like they're cousins, they're similar but they're not the same. And so, really creating those distinctions, I believe, is essential to creating a path to understanding how you heal, how you understand, how you identify, how you shape what you do in relationship to how you understand what your life experiences brought you. So, CPTSD versus PTSD, really creating those demarcations are crucial.
1: And we will talk after the break a lot more about the differentiation between PTSD and complex PTSD. But the other part that I wanted to say in regards to me identifying as crazy is through my mental health journey, what I discovered was I was actually spiritually gifted. That Mm. was the real um, side of the coin I wasn't expecting. And all this time I was being told and, and treating my mental illness as though it was a disease or a disorder. Whereas I understand now it was actually a um an adaption to maladaptive circumstances, right? Sure. It made a it made a lot of logical sense what was happening to me when you understood, where I understood that what I had been through was trauma or was traumatic. And um and as I said, that was a very um difficult concept for me to even really, or a difficult label for me to take on initially, because so much of what I had experienced would be in the category of what I call little t trauma, or more the invisible traumas.
2: And I I think- And ones that people, I think, can, it can, they can be more easily explained away, right? Right. When you have these lowercase t traumas, they can be attributed to just Circumstantial, you're just unlucky. This is just kind of something happened. It's not correlative. It doesn't have a relationship to any larger phenomena. Oh, it's just kind of sad for you. Or, uh, I mean, they end up being these little T traumas can be things that I think people want to be toxically positive about, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, that happened to you. That's not the worst thing that could have happened. There could have been something worse. There's a whole lot bigger things that happen in this world. And so they end up being minimized and not recognized for how significant they can be to shape. And influence how you understand your value, how you understand your worth, how you communicate and explain and describe pain uh, to other people about yourself, to yourself, how you understand what you're really going through. I mean, it's just so formative. Uh, So having and breaking down these moments.
1: And what you just just said is a perfect reason. The reason why when I do write my memoir, it will be called, it could have been worse.
2: Because
1: that phrase really kept me sick for so long. I didn't understand that what I had been through was traumatic until I almost died from it. So we are gonna be heading into a break. This has been a um, enlightening conversation already. When we come back from break, we are gonna be talking about the differences between PTSD and complex PTSD to give you a a deeper understanding. And um, I guess we're not quite at the break yet.
0: I am new at this.
2: (laughs) All right, well, I think we can take it. Let's be back in a minute.
0: Trauma, spirituality, (laughs) and intersectionality are common threads that tie our life experiences together. Understanding trauma, exploring spirituality as a tool to heal, and looking at it all through an intersectional lens is what makes our show unique. By tuning into Even We Know That with Latoya Green and Kat Schwartz, you will gain valuable insight and clarity on the issues that affect us most, whether you realize it or not. Tune in on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. eager to hear your message the world awaits contact us today to become an inspired choices network radio host email become a host at inspired choices network.com this is even we know that with Latoya green and catch wars to participate in the program join the live studio audience in our chat room at inspired choices network.com you can also send an email to even we know that at gmail.com now back to the program
1: Welcome back everyone. This is Even We Know That. I am Kat Schwartz, and this is Latoya Green and today we are discussing the topic of complex trauma. Before the break we started by saying that we would use this time to talk about the differences between PTSD and complex PTSD. Go ahead.
2: I just want to real quick, before we even jump back into our conversation, let people know that if you're not, if you're still trying to get familiar with us, you should go back and listen to our first episode, right? We had a whole getting to know us session that I don't want you to miss out on. So if you're like, I still don't know who these people are and why they're talking to me about this information, go back and check out. And this can be anywhere you listen to your podcast. This is Apple Podcasts, Spotify. This is just, just Google it. Right. And you will find the even uh, we know even we know that podcast. And also next week, we're going to be getting into neurodivergence. Right. And we'll talk more about next week's conversation around the next break. But I just want to give you more reasons to come back and hang out with us. So now that I put that out there, I was just so excited. Kat, the differences in between PTSD and CPTSD. What can you tell us?
1: Well, to your point, I will say that yes, go back and listen to it. It lives, it lives here whether I wanted it out. But even I know that I did not do well on that.
2: InspiredChoicesNetwork.tv, InspiredChoicesNetwork.tv. Go back and you, you, you all decide for yourselves. But I already know what you're gonna think. Cat killed it. Now, Cat, let's get back into the conversation.
1: Thank you. See, she's always my friend and coach, <laughs> no matter what. I really appreciate you. Absolutely. So, yeah, so I, I heard once to describe by a psychologist that PTSD is a terrible event, whereas complex PTSD is a terrible life. And I think you have a definition of PTSD. Do you want to share with us?
2: Okay, yeah. The definition of PTSD that I think we can use to really shape our conversation is as follows. A disorder, uh, a PTSD can be defined as a disorder in which a person has difficulty recovering after experiencing or witnessing a terrifying event. The hallmarks are triggering memories or reminder of the trauma being accompanied by intense emotional and physical reactions. So I want to focus on the notion of a terrifying event, something specific that you can pinpoint a moment, a date, a time that really now uh, opens you up to triggers that incite reminders, very specific, very grave, very deep reminders of an event that you experienced.
1: Right. And as um, Dr. Gabor Matei says, Um, trauma is not what happens to you. Trauma is a result of what happens inside of you as a result of what happened to you. And you brought up a point earlier that, um, or in in our conversation off air, that we're certainly not um, comparing the two, right? We're not saying that complex PTSD is inherently worse or better than PTSD. They both suck, trust me. Absolutely. Um, Nor are they mutually exclusive, right? Someone like my partner, for instance, with PTSD can also have complex PTSD. You could have... Um, and so so we'll go into now the, the hallmarks of complex PTSD. So they are that the traumatic events were numerous and occurred over a long period of time. That was mm-hmm. number one. Number two is that the traumatized person was powerless to change the situation. This is applicable with children, of course, and this is also applicable without domestic violence survivor, survivors. Absolutely. And then thirdly, the trauma occurs in relationship, often with trusted caregivers. And that is impactful. If you think about, you know, you know, and of course, trigger warning for um if you think about a sexual assault, a sexual assault by a stranger is awful. Yeah. right? A, sexu- a sexual assault by someone who's supposed to love and care for you is a it's a deeper level of um of trauma, right? and um, and therefore, the thing to understand about the fact that tr- this type of trauma is, occurs within relationship with another individual, it only is then triggered in relationship to another individual. So oftentimes people who've experienced trauma will have um, fewer symptoms or consider themselves to be doing well when they're not in relationship with another person. But the moment, whether it's a romantic partnership or, um, you know, being around your family of origin or even, um, you know, certain friends or even strangers can be extremely triggering because, it's the um it's the relationship between the two people that's making it so triggering.
2: Absolutely.
1: Yeah, and this is and, and and we can expand a little bit on the big T versus the little T trauma, right? And um you know, you know we talk about big T trauma, it's it's obvious whether that be sexual assault, whether that be a car accident, whether that be um something that um
2: as a you said shooting.
1: A mass shooting. Right. Exactly. Um, Something that is sudden and terrifying and the person um, feels a a loss of control and powerlessness um, versus little T trauma is what we'll talk about now in regards to uh, the ACEs study. Mm -hmm. Okay. what we know about complex trauma specifically is due to what is known as the adverse childhood experiences or ACE study. And this is a study that was, the data was collected from 1995 to 1997 in two different waves. Kaiser Permanente um, is, I believe, a healthcare company that- They
2: are. I have their insurance. Thank you, Kaiser.
1: And strange, I do want to mention, just a little aside here, strangely, um, Latoya lives in California. I live in New Jersey. And yet, this weekend, we were both in the D.C. area. The (laughs) area. we were not able to see one another especially with her schedule but um but yes i I thought and and the reason i bring that up is because the hotel we were staying at was steps away from kaiser permanente so i thought that was particularly interesting um so the data was collected as i said in two waves in the 90s this is considered a landmark study um the the Kaiser Permanente um, surveyed 17,000 of their members who were inher- inherently privileged, right, they had health insurance, first of all, they were mostly white, middle class and college educated. And the survey was done anonymously and it asked about their experiences in childhood as well as their current health status and behaviors. Mm-hmm. And the results were so stunning initially that the authors didn't believe their own um, their own results. And it had to be validated and replicated many, many times for them to start really releasing their results publicly, because what it showed was that the majority, more than two thirds of adults in America had experienced at least one ACE or adverse childhood experience significant enough to be, have an impact on their current mental and physical health. Mm-hmm. And more than half, I'm sorry, at least one quarter of those respondents had experienced two or more ACEs. And that's significant because much like when we talk about intersectionality with feminism, this is a dose response relationship, meaning the more trauma that you've been through, the larger impact it's having on your your physical and mental health, which makes a lot of logical sense, but because some of these or so many of these are what we maybe would consider smaller T or invisible trauma, it's just not as obvious. So I do want to go through the, um, um, the, excuse me, the the ACEs themselves, right? Yes. What were the questions that were asked? So the, the 10 questions that were on the original ACE study had to do with um, child abuse, the category of child abuse, abuse, emotional, physical, and sexual abuse, household uh, challenges such as violence against the mother, substance abuse, divorce, and incarceration of a family member. And -hmm. then lastly, neglect, emotional and physical neglect. And you might notice there's a lot of things missing off that list.
2: Absolutely.
1: (laughs) Right? So we can talk about that in a little bit more um, depth later. But what this really tells us is that trauma is a public health crisis.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, I think in the comments, Sarah has you know, contributed the idea that so many people think they're the only ones who are suffering from trauma, mm-hmm. but the, the numbers are high. You said at least two thirds, yeah. right? That is 66% or more mm-hmm. of the people we walk around with and live or experience life with every single day have had... Uh, Issues being surrounded around addiction, have been sexually assaulted, have been physically abused, have witnessed abuse that shapes and frames how they understand relationships that are supposed to, you know, exude care and love and these things like that. And that then displays or demonstrates bad habits. Then you went on to say that 25 percent of these same individuals have cult, a co relationship, have multiple of those uh, issues that or types of trauma. That shape and influence the people they become. And to
1: put that in greater context, four or more ACEs is associated with a 12 times higher risk of suicide. Mm. And six or more ACEs is associated with up to 20 years fewer of life. So, we, you know, while these traumas might be, quote, invisible, they're certainly not
2: benign in any
1: not, way. Not at all.
2: And think about what happens on a physical health level when we know that over 66% of people are, are affected by something or that a quarter of a population are accepted, are affected by something. There are many different campaigns that go out. There's a whole shift and change in the way that medicine is practiced. There is a confrontation. There's a level of awareness that says, hey, everybody, you should know that a lot of people are experiencing this. You need to do things to protect yourself. But for some reason, and this it speaks to it being a public health health crisis that is being poorly attended to when it comes to mental health. Mental health. We don't evaluate them, evaluate them on the same scale. And we put ourselves in a position where we have a bunch of people healthy from the neck down, but that are de- dealing with a lot of trauma and a lot of issues, a lot of uh, barriers to their quality of life from the neck up. Right. Their mental health is being affected, even though their their physical health is being prioritized. And that's a problem.
1: Absolutely, and I, I saw in my in my research for this episode, it, um, the ACE study referred to as the most significant public health study that no one has ever heard of.
2: My goodness <laughs> gracious!
1: Right, and and we go back to what I described with the hallmarks of CPTSD, with the fact that it occurs in relationship, and and when we apply that to a public health crisis, that makes a whole lot of sense, right? Mm. Because life really is relationships, right? We're relating to one another at all times. We're relating to ourselves even. And so the health of one's relationships and the health of one's life are a direct correlation. So, Mm -hmm. you know, this really, um, this speaks even to our issues, let's say with road rage and mass shootings, right? You know, we simply as adults don't have the emotional maturity or ability to regulate such that we, you know, often you know resort to to violence often lethal violence so you know,
2: as we have this conversation and we look at the a study and what it explains i think about there is a a black woman who is autistic and has autistic children on twitter that i follow named a uh, supernova i believe or the super mm. Mom- Nova mommy i might have to look up her name and get it precise during our break but she talks about children who has have tempers as human beings who are expressing unmet needs Right. And so when I look at the whole trauma and the tantrums and you just talked about road rage and we look at mass shootings, I look at people probably going back to their child cells or to a place or experiencing something that have taken them back to that place that a need has been unmet. And now they're lashing out right now. It's all coming out. is pouring out is flooding out of them and where do where where do floods go when the water can't be contained where do where does the wind go when it can no longer survive in the atmosphere it's been set in and it's been hit with a little bit of hot and a little bit of cold now we have a tornado right there are so many different examples how how do the plates move when the pressure becomes too much they slip and they slide and this is how we get those earthquakes so many different times people are dealing with a multiplicity of things that are bumping up into each other and because they have needs that are unmet it all comes spilling out one way or another
1: and as a parent myself, and a you know a partner to a woman who was severely traumatized. She's a human trafficking survivor and was um, even adopted by an abusive family. So her her trauma is very severe. And really, what I've come to understand is our inner child never went anywhere. That same inner child whose needs were unmet for you perhaps, and certainly for me, and um you know in childhood are still there. Those needs still exist.
2: Certainly, they don't go anywhere. They, they probably grow and become more and prolific.
1: And there's, a, and, and what's happening um, across the globe, including with quote leaders is our temper tantrums, essentially, mm-hmm. you know, this is the, the, um, the unmet needs of the inner child, as we said, so my,
2: my, my.
1: <laughs> we can talk a lot more about that on the break, um, or after the break, rather, we will be talking more about the symptomology of PTSD versus CPTSD and uh wrapping up this important topic so thank you for everyone who is participating in the chat room and uh we will be back shortly um with a break after a break
0: trauma spirituality and intersectionality are common threads that tie our life experiences together understanding trauma exploring spirituality as a tool to heal and looking at it all through an intersectional lens is what makes our show unique by tuning into Even We Know That with LaToya Green and Kat Schwartz, you will gain valuable insight and clarity on the issues that affect us most, whether you realize it or not. Tune in on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. This is Even We Know That with LaToya Green and Kat Wars. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also send an email to EvenWeKnowThat at gmail.com. Now back to the program.
1: Welcome back, everyone. This is Even We Know That. I am Kat Schwartz, and this is my co-host, Latoya Green. And we are talking today about understanding complex trauma. And before the break, I said we would be talking about the symptomology, but I did want to talk about um, an expanded, have an expanded discussion on the AIDS study and talk about the Philadelphia the Philadelphia ACE study, which is, um, was a study that was done uh, in uh, between 2012 and 2013. And it wanted to, um, it's called the Philadelphia study because it was specific to Philadelphia, which happens to me, my, my chosen hometown. I'm originally from New York, but I love Philadelphia. and I live right outside the Philadelphia area. And um, we, so this refers to the fact that the original 10 ACEs didn't was more on the individual and the family level. Whereas the Philadelphia Aces wanted to explore um additional the additional um effects of let's say community
2: ad um adversity. So do you want to talk a little bit more about what that asked? I do. And before I pull it together, I want to go back to our definition of intersectionality so we understand what we mean when we describe that phenomenon, right? As much as uh, Kimberly Crenshaw, when she introduced that concept to us, wanted us to understand the ways that uniquely Black women or uh, disabled men or uh, children in foster care, right? These are intersection, intersecting identities that really very muchly shape people's lived experiences. It's also about interlocking systems of power. So you have capitalism mixed with patriarchy. You have uh, heterosexuality mixed with uh, the issues of uh, uh, racism, right? You have these oversecting and overlapping phenomena, white supremacy mixed with capitalism, so many different overlaps and overlayers and intersecting systems of power that it makes it difficult for individuals to push through because, I mean, I might get a little money, but I'll never be a man, right? And so those issues really start to shape how then traumas are situated in people's lived experiences as well. So this Philadelphia expanded. ACE study included a few more questions that we have to look at, like if you've ever witnessed violence. So it asked the question, how often, if ever, do you see or hear someone being beaten up, stabbed, or shot in real life? Uh, Another area of um, inclusion was felt discrimination. So while you were growing up, how often did you feel that you were treated badly or unfairly because of your race or ethnicity? Another is adverse neighborhood experience. It asked the question, did you feel safe in your neighborhood? Did you feel like people in your neighborhood looked out for each other, stood up for each other, and could be trusted? Uh, Another area is bullied. How often were you bullied by a peer or classmate? And then lastly, lived in foster care. Were you ever in foster care? So having those types of adverse life experiences contribute just as much, if not more, uh, or become very formative. I won't say more, but become very informative and influential as a lot of the other questions that you already referred to, the 10 questions you talked about before the break, that were also on the original A study. So very formative and, again, intersectional. And looking at the way st- what we know to be structural violence or systemic violence, the ways that institutions, systems and structures can be violent to the uh, quality of life of individuals, how that plays a role and how they understand trauma as well.
1: And I know you brought up foster children. <coughs> I was disturbed and fascinated when I learned that more children who have been through foster care are diagnosed with complex PTSD than soldiers re- re- uh, returning from war. This really does disproportionately affect women as well. Women are twice as likely to be diagnosed with PTSD, and that's not very well known or understood. And again, I think it's because of the perhaps deliberate idea that only, let's say, military personnel or law enforcement or, um, you know, people who, who grew up in war zones, for instance, could experience PTSD or, or you know, but the reality is complex PTSD, um, which is more problematic, often um, in the person's life, because it's not just one event, right, that the yeah. person is healing from, it's in often cases, you um, you know, ongoing and I want to, you know, and I, I, I didn't say this in the, in the top of the show, like I intended to, but you know, another reason for my awkwardness. (laughs) around this is, you know, um, is the fact that I'm very much in the messy middle of this and yeah. in a lot of ways when it comes to um, things that I've experienced both in my childhood and then in my current relationship, which, as I explained, has we've been dealing with the aftermath of severe trauma and that has severe effects, you know, especially on mental health. So so let's talk a little bit more about the effects. Right. Let's um, the effects of PTSD and complex PTSD. Um, I did, I did uh, see, uh, see something that was notable and in, in relates to what we just talked about with the Philadelphia study which is there is a direct link between childhood trauma and adult onset of chronic diseases as well as incarceration yeah. and employment challenges right so right. you know and and you know, it's it's not a certainly not a um, secret to Toya and I that the you know our prison system is anything but just, <laughs> right? And yes. so many of our um, so many individuals that are incarcerated are in fact mentally ill or traumatized or being discriminated against for the color of their skin right? Certainly much more disproportionately Black men specifically. So yeah. um, so when we talk about the, the let's talk about first the, the symptoms of PTSD, and we can then uh, just differentiate what makes, you know, complex PTSD a little bit different.
2: Quite. So there are, and I'll go through them quickly, but there are 17 symptoms of PTSD. So when we look at someone who has had an inciting event or incident, that has now influenced the way that they experience trauma. This is typically some of the symptoms of those uh, incidents. So vivid flashbacks, nightmares, self isolation, depression, uh, substance abuse, emotional avoidance, hyper arousal or constantly feeling like you're on edge, memory loss, trouble concentrating, insomnia, a negative outlook on present and the, the present and the future and or the future, uh, feelings of intense stress caused by reminders of trauma. So as soon as you are reminded or see something that reflects that trauma, it immediately forces you to shut down in some way, physical pain uh, or a physiological response to that. This could be everything from pain to sweating, to nausea, to increased heart rate, so on and so forth, uh, outright panic attacks and and, and anxiety attacks. So uh, hyperventilation, the inability to uh, move or function or speak, Uh, if you will. Uh, 15 is feeling emotionally numb and struggling to relate to emotions. Uh, Sixteen is struggling to show affection toward others. And lastly, is trouble maintaining personal and professional relationships. So all of those are huge markers or indications that someone is working through PTSD. And oftentimes those uh, uh, materialize and present themselves as a package deal. So a multiplicity of these things, because I'm responding and so anxious, I shut down and I pull back and don't want to hang out with people or be around people that I normally might because that makes me even more anxious or I'm so on edge. I, you know, lash out or cause issue or cause conflict with people who I care about a lot. So I'm unable to be around them. And now I'm constantly thinking about and replaying events that I've gone through. So I'm hyper fixating and staying up all night and experiencing insomnia as a result of it. So the triangulation and the overlays of all those experiences can be very immense for someone trying to deal with something that may, may have happened years ago.
1: And let's keep in mind that those are the, the symptoms of PTSD, right? Which we've said is could could result from one single terrifying event. Sorry. Right. This is not to take away the um, the very real effects of even one event on a person's life, but just like with intersectionality, right? Imagine then if the entire if the person's entire life has been traumatic, right? Which is really the case that what we are talking about with complex PTSD. So with complex PTSD, you potentially have all of those exact same symptoms, right? certainly highlighting number 17, the, um, trouble maintaining personal and professional relationships. We've talked Mm -hmm. about that in, um, in relation to complex trauma, how, um, you know, it does create, um, Not just a a difficulty with relating to others, but oftentimes a a significant distrust or fear of relating to other people. And you
2: know what's tough? You know, when you look at those different that list of 17 and I think about that last one difficulty building and maintaining relationships with others. I look at how that may not always be as uh, present or easily identifiable as maybe having a substance abuse issue, right? You might wanna drink on a regular basis or you might overdo it every time. And so you start to see that there's a pattern there, but often you don't recognize that you have trouble maintaining, uh, sustaining and maintaining a relationship until you try a new relationship and it fails on you again, or you're months into it or you're deep into it and then it ends up at a at a dead end. And so all of these materialize and rear their heads at times when you don't really expect it in ways you can't really control. And that can be both in the short term, in the med- intermediate and in the long term. Some cases. So PTSD, very formative um, in, in, in significant ways for how people deal and respond to certain issues.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, even what you said before about um substance use. I mean, that was before I knew I was traumatized. <laughs> my nervous system certainly knew. And I, I managed that mostly through alcohol. Mm-hmm. Right A- around the age of 16, the first time alcohol hit my lips, I knew that I was not in control of it. And it was the fact that it was the first time that my nervous system felt any sort of soothing. Hmm. And it took me another 20 years or so to discover something much healthier, which was yoga. And it was, I'll never forget the first yoga class that I took after an hour of breathing. And I, I, luckily found yoga or started doing yoga after I had already gotten off the the diet train, right? So I was no longer doing uh, exercise only for weight loss. And I was more focused on my inner, my inner peace and my mental health at that point. So I had challenged myself to try gentle and yin styles of yoga, which are far more meditative. And at the end of the class, I remember laying in what's known as Shavasana or the final pose and just thinking where is that feeling that's always there (laughs) right you know like wait a second are is it possible that the feeling that's constantly in my chest that vibration that dread that you know that just that buzzing I guess is the best way I can describe it luckily I don't feel that often anymore so it's it's more of a memory than uh something I'm feeling right now but at the time it if it was telling me that other people didn't live with that feeling all the time, which I now knew was anxiety would be like telling me not, not everyone had a heart. <laughs>
2: <Right>? <laughs> like What are you, what are you, what could you possibly mean by that? How? I,
1: I had never lived without that feeling. So it yeah. was just really um, foreign, right. For me to realize that um, there was something abnormal about this and, you know, and that's the first step to solving any problem is your awareness of it. Right. So 100%. that was, you know, and, and that's a huge part of why we want to have this conversation today, because even Sarah in the in the comments was saying, you know, how um, refreshing it was to hear a a conversation about trauma because it is so common. That's really the biggest takeaway from the ACE study, besides that it's a public health crisis, is how common it is.
2: Absolutely. Right.
1: Um. But the danger, of course, is, you know, just like with white feminism, right, the danger is to focus on the ways in which it might be affecting you personally as an individual with privilege and not appreciating all the ways in which it is markedly worse for those who don't hold your privilege.
2: Certainly. Um, This has been even we know that and we are having a great conversation uh, about CPTSD versus PTSD. If you haven't had a chance to, I heard the the commercial before talk about taking us to bed with you. So if you want to do that and listen more on the app, you should look into the Inspired Choices uh, app in your app store. And you should make sure you listen to us on InspiredChoicesNetwork.tv. These are all great places you can find these and other conversations that relate, as well as other people with other phenomenal shows that will give you a bunch of conversations. Content and information you will not be able to get enough of. We are going to start to round out the conversation in some ways, but before we do that, we're gonna take another break, uh, give us a chance to come back together, and then we'll start to sew it up real good.
0: Trauma, spirituality, and intersectionality are common threads that tie our life experiences together. Understanding trauma, exploring spirituality as a tool to heal, and looking at it all through an intersectional lens, is what makes our show unique. By tuning into Even We Know That with Latoya Green and Kat Schwarz, you will gain valuable insight and clarity on the issues that affect us most, whether you realize it or not. Tune in on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. This is Even We Know That with Latoya Green and Kat Schwarz. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can also send an email to evenweknowthat@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Now back to the program.
1: Welcome back, everybody. I am Kat Schwartz. This is Latoya Green, and this is Even We Know That. We are discussing complex trauma today. And before the break, we were talking about the symptoms of complex trauma. I don't think I completely answered your question. So I'm going to start there in regards to what differentiates CPTSD symptom-wise from PTSD. And I would say that one of the biggest things that we know about complex trauma is its relationship with autoimmune disease. Hmm. So... Uh, In my former career, I was a physical therapist. As I said, I have a master's of PT, which is behind me. I worked in as in a traditional physical therapy, physical therapist role in many settings over almost 20 years. And the idea still, it it occurred to me as ridiculous a long time ago, but even more so now the idea that we separate physical and mental health is utterly ridiculous, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, as a former physical therapist, I promise I especially I worked in the rehab realm where, you know, there's a lot of. Um, trauma right like you know and I I think that was another thing um, as uh, someone who was diagnosed with complex PTSD as the physical therapist in me thought of trauma as physical trauma right breaking bones and you know um exactly exactly that's what I associated with trauma so it was it was difficult for me to take on this new perspective initially um but even then in that, in that realm, right? I mean, if you're dealing with someone who just had a massive stroke or a spinal cord injury or an amputation or even a massive surgery or car accident, there's really no such thing as going through something like that physically without it affecting your mental health. Certainly. Right? Just as, as someone who suffered significantly, severely with mental health issues, I have never been so physically sick or in so much physical pain in my life. Yeah. They really are interrelated, uh, you know, in a very real way. And and the A study shows us that autoimmune disease is often a function of underlying complex trauma. And that also um, relates to the fact that a disproportionate number of women are um, hmm. diagnosed as such, because as we know, you know, specifically, Fibromyalgia, let's say, is a diagnosis that um, is not exclusive to women, but certainly a uh, much more prevalent among women. So,
0: Absolutely.
1: so I think when it when it comes to complex trauma, it's really about the um, that um, the dose response relationship, the fact that these traumas are numerous and they occur over a long period of time. Sometimes, certainly in my case, for their entire childhood. Absolutely right and then as we move into the world with these wounded inner children <laughs> and these traumas and we start to relate to one another whether it be societally or familially or romantically um you know it's not it's not a secret let's say that more than 50% of marriages end in divorce i have a divorce under my belt right this is not uncommon and mm-hmm. these are problems societal problems that Um, we aren't often or at all um, collectively associating with trauma. And yet it's so obvious that that's really the the underlying cause.
2: I mean, you know, a lot of where people go and where people have been, I'm sorry, shapes where people will go. Mm -hmm. And I think we undermine and underestimate that. So when we talk about and privilege and put forth the body without looking at the, I, I, when you said that, I thought back to when I broke my ankle mm-hmm. as a child, I was like 12 or 13 and I had nightmares that were consistent with the sound of the cracking. It sounded like a bat cracking when it hits a ball and I will wake up in a fright and I was like I just broke my leg like why am I waking up out of my sleep to deal with that so even so young seeing my subconscious be so deeply involved and impacted by what happened to my physical body to me is such a small simple example of a bigger phenomenon of what you're describing and explaining in terms of how our bodies align very specifically and pretty directly in terms of trauma with, you know, the way that we feel and respond to psychologically and emotionally. Um, I want to make sure that the folks listening into this conversation know about where we're headed next week. Um, We are talking about exploring neurodivergence and trauma. And I say that because if you are interested in this trauma web that we're weaving, you might want to lean in and think even more about the ways that we understand uh, mental health from the perspective of neurodivergences. So, looking and thinking about things like autism. Looking and thinking about things more su- specifically. We're going to talk about uh, uh, bipolar disorder. Is that correct? Is that uh, I think an in, inroad that we'll be taking to the discussion next week?
1: Well, I, we're actually going to be taking a broader a broader look at neurodivergence because that's a term that we certainly um, we associate specifically with autism. Mm-hmm. Um, that and and there's been a been a large discussion about why autism has become so much more prevalent, right? That wasn't something that we really heard of when you and I, you know, we have an age gap between us of about 10 years, but you Uh know, I don't know, you know, from your school experience, if you remember there being a lot of people diagnosed with autism where it's absolutely um, uh, widespread now. Right. And and that does relate. I don't want to give too much away for next week. That very much relates to what we're talking about today, because when complex, when, when the trauma is occurring when the nervous system is developing the nervous system doesn't develop quote normally
2: mm.
1: <laughs> right so it relates very much to um to then the the effects of that right when when a nervous system doesn't develop normally how does someone um react or in relationship when they're triggered, right? How does someone perceive the world? And, you know, it's important to say too, with trauma in general and PTSD, and I love the example you put forth because even for yourself, you're minimizing it. Oh, it was just a broken ankle, right? right? Whereas what traumatizes an individual is very individual. Two people could experience the exact same event and only one is traumatized from it. You
2: know, and I broke it skating. And then after trying to skate again, I, I felt like I was constantly dragging my leg. And I'm like, you're healed. Your leg is fine. Mm-hmm. Like you're good. There was literally something in my brain that 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 cut off the motivation cut off the uh, the real the realistic nature of what I thought was possible with that leg and I've skated since then and I've loosened up a little bit which let me know I was so deep inside my mind that it really was just reflecting and reverberating through how my body physically responded to being put under pressure or being challenged again and that's so reflective of The way that we deal with trauma, we have something that affects us, that hurts us in our body, that hurts us in our mind. And as a result, the other part of it is tricked into believing that it's out of commission. And so the next time we're confronted with the opportunity to do something different, to do something important, to do something big, we go back to that trauma response. Right. We also we know that trauma forces us to build wounded attachments our Mm -hmm. trauma, our misery likes company. And we'll get into that and talk about that in so many different ways and different conversations that we have. But even the way that trauma then shapes and influences the bonds that we create and the relationships with people. So now you are linking up with other people who have benched themselves from life, right? Who have put themselves on punishment and told themselves that they can't do something or that they are off, something is off limits to them. There's so much to unpack with how see PTSD and PTSD, both both a lifetime or a specific event of something traumatic happening to you, influencing where you go from here. Uh, So we are
1: wrapping wrapping up the show, but I do want to end on a positive. note. which is the the ACE study. Yes. While it identifies the fact that ACEs are extremely common and that um, trauma is a public health crisis. The most important thing about the study is that their resilience is possible and healing yes. is absolutely possible from trauma. And it's it's why I'm so passionate about um, looking at and treating mental health uniquely. And, if, you know, if you go to my website, you'll see um, I, I say mental health done differently because we cannot change what has happened to us, but we can certainly change our perspective on what's happened to us. And when we, if the, the symptoms that we're experiencing, like in my case, the bipolar symptoms are due to trauma, if you heal the underlying trauma, you can also heal the, the underlying symptoms. So there's a lot of hope here. And next week we'll talk in a lot more depth about um, neurodivergence. So it'll be a fun, a fun and um, useful conversation.
0: Thank you for listening to the Even We Know That show. LaToya and Kat return Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Until then, don't be afraid to say the quiet parts out loud.